B, welcome back to Podcast Room 303, episode 195. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morhan. And as always, we have with us the EPE. For those of you who have been living under a rock, it's been a pretty action-packed sports week. We've had the NFL draft kick off and complete. Hopefully, the hope that is now burgeoning in your heart will lead to some impressive results. Uh, for those of you who have teams still in the NBA and NHL playoffs, congratulations. Uh, that is everyone except for Nick, since he's at home with them. Um, how are you doing this evening, Nick? Uh, I mean, I, you know, maybe not as distraught as the other executive producer on this uh, on this podcast about the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, it's it, you see, you've seen over the last six years of Avs playoff hockey. When a team is more physical than them and is just harder working, that team generally wins a lot of games. Yeah. And I saw it from the, fir- from, from the first drop of the puck. The, the Avs didn't win the first five periods of that series. We'll get into it later. But, I mean, like, I- I'm not disappointed. The Avs don't win back-to-back cups. I didn't expect them to win back-to-back cups, right? They got they, – I- I've been saying all year long – they did. They don't have a third line center. They lost Burakovsky, and they lost Gabe Landeskog. Those are huge pieces. I guarantee you, if they have Gabe Landeskog back in Kadri, this team repeats because we had a better goalie. But I digress. <laughs> now it's time for Rockies baseball. <laughs> they have. Uh, they've accomplished the rare feat, right? 20 wins. I mean, 20 losses before they got 10 wins. Um, yeah, but we'll get into the NBA and NHL on, on another episode. On today's episode, we will actually be getting into the Kentucky Derby as well as the NFL draft. Um, what we'll do, just to keep this uh, short and concise, each one of us will give one winner, one loser, and we'll end up with three and three total you can obviously submit honorable mentions and talk about anyone that you want to talk about but that's just kind of the way we'll go with that with that situation so uh, so we'll end up with three winners three losers total uh one submitted from each of us and uh and today's pop culture pick them actually we're doing communion with the on this episode or pcp with we'll do, we're doing communion with ease, so whatever Eric's cooked up. So he's probably scrambling over there right now since he doesn't have anything. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that one at the end of the podcast since he's uh, sucked into the current affairs of Boston versus Philadelphia. There's about one minute left as of now, uh, and Boston is up three. Oh, my goodness. And uh, it's 113-110. So we'll end up with uh, one somebody coming out of this and having a one-game lead. If Philadelphia could steal a game without Joel Embiid, do you play him in the next game? Yeah, did they? He was he missed time in the first round, right? Or he or no? So he's missed about fourteen days now. So he was hurt on not this past Friday, but the Friday before. So. That yeah, he puts he, it around two weeks, two, about two weeks now. He missed the closeout game of the first series against Brooklyn, and he's missed the opening game of the series against Boston. But Paul Reed with the two clutch free throws to cut it to one. What a day. What, Joel, what, a, day to, what a day to fade uh, fucking James Harden. <laughs> Did you really fade day. James today? 
Did you know yeah. Embiid wasn't playing though? No. <laughs> okay. All right. I made All the right. bet this morning when I thought Joel was still playing. Yeah. So he was he was pretty much ruled out on Saturday. Uh, so that's that's just uh, bad uh, research by one of our very own. You know, if you know the podcast motto, it, it's it's right in it's right in line with what we, what to expect. Oh, they stopped it. Oh, they oh! oh, oh my god! So sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That was a live reaction. We should have probably just finished this game <laughs> instead. But uh, the Boston Celtics just threw the ball to Tyrese Maxey. Uh, that's why Eric and I yelled because he was by himself at the top of the three-point line with, with no Celtic near him. So I don't know who they were throwing to. And he just uh, sprinted down the other way and, la- and laid it in. Uh, there's about 30 seconds left. But let's go ahead and kick off Kentucky Derby, Nick. You have us uh, geared up for that. I do. So Kentucky Derby, uh, 20 posts. There are, I, I closed all my windows that are in the Kentucky Derby. Let me bring it back up. So 2023 Kentucky Derby. Uh, I will be personally attended along with the, uh, the other uh, executive producer of this Nevada Putnam, the 149th Kentucky Derby. It'll be this Saturday. Uh, it's a $3 million prize. As uh, those of you who are familiar, and for those of you who aren't, it's the first leg of the Triple Crown. Uh, so May 6th is when the Derby is held. May 20th is the Preakness Stakes. And June 10th is the Belmont. Um, something that I didn't know before this, uh, the, the three races um, are restricted to three-year-old thoroughbreds. So when we, when we refer to a Triple Crown in horse racing, you normally don't race a, a, a horse normally doesn't hit his stride until about a year and a half to two years. So it's kind of interesting for people to say like triple crowns are that exclusive because you get about a year and a half out of a horse uh, to win a triple crown. And a lot of them, they don't race. They race them uh, from the time they're, um, Oh God, what do you call I'm, I'm going to sound like an amateur here talking about, uh, baby horses um, or juvenile horses, ponies, fillies. Yeah. So, so, so juvenile horses are called fillies. So you race, you race the fillies as they go up, but normally the adult races, adult horses aren't racing until like a year and a half to three years. So the triple crown is exclusive because trainers get like one shot at the triple crown basically with that horse. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, the Kentucky Derby, by the way, uh, is a mile and a quarter. It's on a dirt track. Uh, do you guys know how many horses, speaking of the Triple Crown, how many horses have won the Triple Crown? Mm, 13. That was really good. Yeah, 13. I was counting in my head, and then I was just like, and guess. <laughs> you named the first one and what year? No. Okay. <laughs> Seabiscuit? No, Seabiscuit Eric, was... you're ahead of me, but James Harden just... James Harden just splashed! Ah! <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Nick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Eight seconds left. Philly's up to... Uh, Jason Tatum just went to the line, sunk two clutch free throws. James Harden sauced up defensive ace Al Horford and said, I'm Himothy. 
All right, let's get back to what you were saying. Uh, uh, it, was, it was Sir Barton in 1919 was the first. Uh, oh, yeah, there was zero percent chance I knew that. Dude. Justified uh, 2018 was the last horse to do it. Last year, obviously, a very famous Kentucky Derby. Uh, the longest uh, or second largest upset in Derby history. Rich Strike, the horse that was an 80 to 1 long shot, uh, beat the favorite epicenter uh, to win. Uh, this year's uh, field, the uh, lowest odds, the favorite is a horse named Forte. Uh, he enters the Derby having won six of his last seven career races, uh, including both of his start, in, including both of his starts uh, this year. So let me give you guys some stats for betting the Derby. In Derby time, uh, in Derby time, since the Derby has been created, <laughs> I was well, about to since, ask what that was. <laughs> since 1930, since they since they uh, expanded the posts out to 20, so that means that there's 20 horses racing okay. the Derby since 1930. These are the winningest posts of all time. And Eric has something to celebrate about. Yes? No? Uh, there was a turnover and a. Foul, I think, but it's pretty hard. Yeah, to so know the muted. the Sixers were on defense with eight seconds left. Uh, Celtics threw it out. Paul Reed got it, got fouled. He's going to the foul line up two with like four seconds left. So it's oh, yeah, good. Jason shoved the fuck out of him. Sounds like uh, sounds like a uh, a seventy Sixers win. All right, so the, the winning is posts in history. Uh, I'm going to give you the post number, the percent that it has won of the races since 1930. And then I'm going to give you the horse this year that's racing it, and that's horse's odds. Savi? Yes. Okay. So this is winningest post of all time. Number 20, the 20th position, is the winningest spot of all time. 11.1% of the Kentucky Derbies have been won by the furthest outside post. This year, Continuar is the horse racing in that spot, in the number 20th post. He is a 50-1 to Long shot. Uh, you got to sprinkle a little pizza money on that just alone. Uh, well, so I, that was that. This is bad podcasting. Sorry, I should have started from the bottom and worked up. Uh, second winning post of all time. The fifth spot. Uh, all right, all right. Sorry, one second, Nick. Uh, last interruption, and we're all focused now, except for when the Devils Rangers gets into the final few minutes <laughs> of their game seven. Right. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Hembead have gone onto the road to Boston and taken game one, 119-115, to give them a 1-0 series lead. Uh, James Harden, 45 points tonight, uh, highest-scoring playoff game in his career. It actually ties uh, a previous iteration in uh, 2015 against Golden State. So... James Harden still got it, bro. <laughs> Yo, Philly fans are are what what is it, Nick? Grease the grease the birds, go poles. Grease the birds, go poles. <laughs> the Philly Tourettes is in full effect. Yeah, grease the poles, go birds. <laughs> All right, so we'll we're gonna interrupt one more time and then we'll get right back into Kentucky Derby. Eric, thoughts? Uh, great win without your MVP. James Harden showed he still has some juice left in. And the best feeling in the world is seeing all these faggy Boston fans leave with sad faces. I hate Boston fans. I'm so glad this happened. Can't wait to win game two with JoJo back. That's all I got to say. 
Well, there you have it. Live reaction is not exactly the FCC approved reaction, but <laughs> yikes! I think there was about eighty-seven canceled words. <laughs> that's that's why we're in uh, un unsanctioned media here, boys. <laughs> it's sanctioned by Room Three Hundred Three. So right. uh, I, let me check with the the. Yeah, we're good. All right, so uh, Eric celebrating his game one victory. Let's get into the second best post to race from right so right. obviously the first one was post 20 we'll get into second now. post 20 continue our 50 to 1 long shot he's won 11.1 percent of the time the second winningest post is the number five position the number five position has won the race 10.8 percent of the time this one is my personal favorite uh name of a horse racing in the derby this is tap it thrice <laughs> tap, tap it thrice that sounds like a fucking sex technique, dude. Tap it thrice. Uh, the third position, uh, uh, the the third winningest position, the number ten position. Uh, oh, tap it, tap it thrice is a five to one favorite, or a five has five to one odds. Um, okay. The number ten position is is third. Uh, they they win the race ten point five percent of the time. That's filled this year by practical move. They are a ten to one favorite, and because it is close enough. The number 15 position, filled by the favorite this year, Forte, at 3-1, to one, wins 9.8% of the time. And that's top four? Or that's top – that's top – no, because it was 25, 10, and then that is, that is top. That is top four positions, top four. correct. Yep, okay. Top four positions. Okay. Right, the top three positions that are in the money, okay, in the money. Number 10, I already mentioned practical move. Or sorry, we'll start from the bottom. Number five position, tap it thrice, has been in the money, which means the the top three positions in horse racing. It has been in the money 23.7 times of races. The second post held by verifying this year at a 15 to one, at 15 to one odds, has been in the money 26.1% of the time. And the best post already mentioned, the number 10 post in the money practical move has been in the money almost 30% of the time, 29.1%. What do you guys like or what do you guys think for – well, let, let me move on here. I got to sneeze first. No, I don't. I pushed through it. Good for me. All right. Now we'll shift to worst post for in the money, and then we'll get your guys' picks for this. The All right. Worst- let's- the top three worst posts for in the money, the number 12 position only wins, has only been in the money 11.5% of the time. That's held by Jace Road. Jace's Road this year, a 15 to 1 odds. The number 17 post has only finished in the money 7% of the time. That's heard by, or that's held by Derma Sagate. Sagate? Sagate? It's Sotogate. Sotogate. Gaki, yeah. I think. Gaki. Sotogaki. Sotogaki, 10 to 1. Keep that name in mind for what I'm going to list uh, in the category after this. And the worst in the money post, the number 19 position held by Lord Miles, a 30 to 1 horse this year, has only finished in the money 6.7% of the time. If we look at winning posts, the worst winning posts, number 11 is third the third least winning post 2.4% of the time they have won that's held by disarm at 30 to 1 the number 6 position held by kings barnes has uh only won 2.2% of the time 
at 12 to 1 odds, Kings Barnes's. And the worst post of all time, previously mentioned, Derma, Derma Sotogaki at 10 to 1 from the number, the number 17 position, boys, never won a Kentucky Derby. Hmm. 17 has never won. Since 1930, the 17th position has never won a Kentucky Derby. And some of the argument in here is, so people ask why some of the argument is in here, those middle positions, a lot of horses either trying to stay to the outside or get to that inside rail. A lot of them run into each other. You're, pro- you're not going to find a lot of value. What I would say in horse racing, and I'm not a horse racing expert by all means, but if you can find a uh, – if you can find a uh, horse that you like on the outside or on the inside, or one of the fastest horses, someone who gets out of the gate very fast, you will have a lot of success. So with that being said, what are we thinking, boys? First of all, Eric, do you have the list of horses pulled up? I do, actually. Okay. So first of all, let's do a fun thing. I gave you my favorite name, Tap It Thrice coming out of the number five position what are your favorite names for the kentucky derby so i gotta go with one i'm gonna go with two phils because uh my dearest buddy in the world his name's phil and there is two of them there's the married phil then there's the phil that's with me so i can really relate to that horse so that's my favorite one i was literally about to say that was the one you were gonna pick two phils coming out of the number three position list and i was like if he doesn't pick two phils then i don't actually know eric that's fucking hysterical Two fills coming out of the number three position, 12 to one horse. I First of all, I've never been so disappointed in a list of horse names before at the Kentucky Derby. That's what is really bothering me with this whole list is none of them are dope. None of them are really awful, but I'm going 18, rocket can, 15 to one. Okay. Rocket Camp, 15 to 1. Okay, that's a good one. That's my that's my favorite name. All the other names suck. <laughs> All right. What do you, what do we think for uh your picks coming out after after the stats that I gave you? Coming either in the money to finish or winning posts. But one second before we get into that. Uh also eligible shits on the rest of the field. Ready for these names? Cyclo Mischief. Mandarin Hero. Okay. King Russell. All better. All better. Uh, So based on your analysis, those little tidbits that you have given us, I'm going to go in and take a – I'm going to take a trifecta of Tappet tries to win, verifying the finish second, and practical move to finish third. Okay, Eric. Uh, so I know you said the 17 spot has never won, but coming off of the trip to Japan, everything seems to be coming up Japan this year for me. So I'm gonna go with the horse, the horse trained by Hidetaka Otonashi, Derma Sotokake at 10 to one to win it out of the 17. Uh, and I got Phil two Phils coming in, uh, second, and I'll go with uh. Uh, Angel of Empire in the 14th coming in third. Okay. So I, I mentioned you guys speed figures before, right? 
So the fastest horse in this year's in this year's field is the number 10 position practical move. That's the one I like. I'll take practical move to win. I'll take that's a 10 to 1. Uh I will take Let's go tap it twice to get in the money. Uh, I'll also pick Forte to be in the money. That's the favorite. Uh, I will also be sprinkling a little bit of pizza money on that number 20 post continue. I was going to make, I was going to make a point that I will also bet dark horse continue. I will be with you on that one, Nick, uh, for sure. That's the one that's going to get its own solo bet. Um, well, not the only one that's going to get its own solo bet, but um, I'll, besides the trifecta that I was putting, that's what I was pushing at. So you're saying that you have practical move first, mm-hmm. uh, tap it, try second, and mm-hmm. and uh, what was the other one? Oh, I forgot. Forte, uh, and then I'll Forte, pick. I'll pick. Third, I'll pick Forte. Forte uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me let me see between tap it, try and Forte who I want. Um, I will take. Ooh, this is this is a good question. Um, I'm trying to look at Forte's stats here. Uh, I will take Forte to finish second. David tries to finish third. Okay. <clears throat> trying to figure out which one of these trainers has won before, bro, because that might affect somebody that I I also dart throw. So, oh, it's this article is not going to tell me. I was, I was just, you know, I'm not really too familiar with jockeys, but I figure if you have a jockey that's won before, <laughs> it's probably a good way to, to bet for this. I don't know how often jockeys switch either. Like if they, once the horse is done, are they done? I doubt that, but. Uh, no, that's, yeah, jockeys run a lot. Yeah, I figure they stick around and they just move from team to team or. Right. There's like a, I feel like they're like NASCAR drivers. Uh, so let's see. Junior Alvarado best finishes fourth in 2016. Javier Castellano. Oh, sorry. Uh, Junior is riding uh, Rocket Cat. Javier Castellano uh, third in 2018. He's riding Mage. Manny Franco second in 2020. He's riding Hit Show. Um, Tyler seventh in 2019. He's riding Verifying. Florent won in 2021, riding Mandaloon. And uh, so he's riding Jace's Road. Uh, James Graham, 8th in 2018, he's riding Confidence Game. Brian Sun Thunder, 8th in 2017. Uh, Juan Hernandez never raced at a Derby. He's riding Skinner. So what what I will say to a lot of people is that you know you had you had um, Rich Strokes win last year eighty to one second largest upset in history. Do not pick big horses to win. Uh, I believe last let's see here last um, oh that's another thing I have pulled up uh, horses to win typically are if I can find it past winners of the Derby. So we know last year, 2022, uh, the 2021 horse was a 12 to one favorite. The the are, are sorry, 12 to one. Uh, that's that controversy, right? In which Medina Spirit finished first, but uh, got drug tested. And they, uh, and they 
Dis- disqualified. And they yeah. disqualified him, right? I actually don't know what odds uh, Medina. Eric, can you look up what odds Medina Spirit was? Uh, for the Last year. Never mind. I found it twelve to one. Oh. Um, so both horses were twelve to one in twenty twenty. Authentic won it at eight to one. Uh, it was the the second uh, lowest odds. Uh, Country House won it thirty to one. Um, um, maximum Security was actually Maximum Security won it. Sorry if you remember two thousand nineteen. Maximum Security won it, uh, but that was the disqualification for interference uh, in that uh, at a at a not a good track. Uh, or at a, at a muddy track, sorry. Um, Maximum Spirit was the favorite at nine to one, so that's the last favorite to quote unquote win. Two thousand eighteen, Justified won. Two thousand seventeen, Always Dreaming, the favorite one. So we had a run of basically from from two thousand thirteen to two thousand fourteen till. Uh, 2016, all favorites won that race, and then 2017, always dreaming was was nine to two. So that's you, you've heard our bets, right? I'll take practical money, forte, and tap it. Try us a little bit of pizza money on continue R uh, at fifty to one. I have to change my pick, bro. I'll just add it as a sprinkled pizza money. Uh, the jockey for forte is Puerto Rican, so I'm picking forte to win it all. Oh, okay. King's Barnes jockey is Puerto Rican as well. And maybe so, it's time, uh, maybe it's time for a for a comeback of the favorites. Oh, <gasps> practical moves, Puerto Rican jockey as well. All right, all right. Ride with me. Reincarnated Puerto Rico as well. Who knew Puerto Rico was such? <laughs> Puerto Rico just pumps out jockeys, I guess. Um, Jermaine, can you give me your three again? Because I, I it seems to have changed a couple of times, and I deleted everything on accident. <laughs> yeah, no, the, I was keeping the three the same. I was just saying I was also betting. Uh, so I had um, – Tap it thrice first. I did. No. Yeah, was it tap it thrice first? Yeah, you had tap it thrice first, and then you had practical move, right? No, I had tap it thrice verifying and then practical move to finish. And there we go. Um, I forget which order it was. I think tap it thrice I did have – I did – I'm pretty sure I had them first. But uh, if if you if you change it, we'll put practical move first, and then tap it tries third. We'll keep verifying locked in second. Uh, I'm gonna hop on board with Nick after my boy, uh, the Puerto Rican jockey, swayed me. <laughs> whoop whoop. So uh, for the fans of last year's Kentucky Derby coverage, we unfortunately found out this morning that there is no Foresters Turtle Race this year. Um. So room 303 is in discussions with Old Forester to purchase the uh, sponsorship rights. Uh, we've offered them a handful of beads and a glass jar. We're hoping that we can piggyback on the way our ancestors uh, traded and, and we can get these sponsorship rights. We'll, we'll keep you posted, though. We are willing to half fill the jar with dirt. <laughs> they have to yeah. fill the other half, though. Yes, they. Yeah, they have to provide their own dirt to fill their half. <laughs> All, right, All right. So that that wraps up the Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby, which kicks off this Saturday. I'll be uh, definitely paying attention. I'll definitely have some money on some of these horses. Uh, if there's anything that I love, it's definitely betting on horse races. 
Shout oh out. yeah, very fun. I've never been going for the first time. I I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, although uh, podcast listener Blake Reynolds said that uh, apparently like you have to bet online now with the Derby. Uh, maybe because of COVID. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, you're for sure going to find out. Hopefully, hopefully you download the app beforehand uh, so you can look at that. But uh, that wraps up the Kentucky Derby. We're going to actually pause here before we get into the NFL draft coverage. Just close out the show to let E come up with a communion with E on the spot. So let's see how fun this is. Communion with E on the spot? Damn, this is tough. I tell you, we have two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, if you're a GM, right, you're the GM, you have – this is only because of an example of what happened in this draft. You have a guy who had a small issue off the court or off the field, and you think, you know, he might have some character issues, but he's clearly the number one player on the board. You're GM. You're, you're shipping this, this franchise. You're, you're the captain of this franchise. Are you taking somebody like that, or are you taking the safe pick who's not maybe not be as talented? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't care about character issues. Same. Money, money fixes a lot of character issues, or it exacerbates them. Right, listen, here's here's the thing: as a GM, you have to build your locker room around guys that are leaders of men. Right. I don't care who they are. I don't care what position they play. You need savvy veterans who know how to take rookies under their arm. And you need about five to six of these guys. Right. That can take rookies under their arm and say, you know, hey, like, don't be too much of an idiot. You need dogs to win in the NFL. And if I'm taking like I don't want obviously I don't want my quarterback to have character issues necessarily. I say that as one of my favorite quarterbacks of all the time, of all time has like Cam Newton has most of the character issues, right? Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of, I, you know, this, what the first thing that popped into my head, Jermaine, I don't know if it did for you. Everybody gave Dion a lot of flack for when he was talking about how he recruits guys. It's like, I, I want a quarterback who's smart, who, you know, has a good GPA who's able to think through stuff. But if I have like O-line demon linebackers, like I want them to be dogs. He just said what everyone thinks. Right. So like, I don't, I don't really understand why he got flack for it. I think it's just because Dion is, is always been a lightning rod. So that's, I think that's just what it is. But uh, no, I'm taking the I'm taking the player. If he is a good player, I expect my coaching staff, I expect my front office, and I expect my team to be able to get this player to play New Orleans Saints football. If you if you pass on a player for character issues, then you do not have the infrastructure in place to allow these prospects to be successful. Yeah. So what do you what do you think of this year? And I know we're going to transition in here into the draft, but I know I know not all of them had the need for a D a DT, but do you think some of those franchises made a mistake by taking that one 
isolated incident and letting him fall. Well, is this about to be a brag on the Eagles? No, I'm asking. This it is, wasn't this is, isolated. It wasn't isolated, by the way. He showed up overweight to his pro day. So, like, the man didn't take his fitness seriously for him to get drafted. So, there are several things that snowballed on this. It wasn't the isolated incident that led to the death of a trainer uh, of the Georgia training staff and a player from the Georgia playing staff. So, like, that's also significant, right? Uh, participating in the street race that resulted in the death of, death of people means you do not have good judgment. Right, so that that those things, but no, the Chicago Bears should not have traded back. Like it should not have because they needed a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. So much so that they drafted two later on in the draft. So why are you taking the best player in the draft? Yeah, so, so I don't know. A ton of these teams are regret, regret not taking this guy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's just, that's my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on it? Mine. You take the best player available, and if you have to sit down and and monitor him and put him on a, a check in schedule where you let me know when you're home and and you have a babysitter, it is what it is. We're in this industry to do one thing. We're in this business to do one thing, and that's to win the Super Bowls. And if I'm not doing everything I can to get there, then you're not trying to win a Super Bowl, honestly. So if you take you take the best player there, and then you mold him into a good character person, you can do it. And that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that goes along to – I think we're, we're all talking of the same we're, – we're all talking the same ilk, right? It's – you – you need guys who are a little bit off their rocker to play to to play NFL football and to be pretty good at it, right? You need guys that prioritize athleticism over being nice people. But you need that you need a group of if if we're, if we're building a pyramid, you need the guys at the top to be highly influential leaders who can some who can kind of tell those guys sometimes to knock it the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Or so, you need guys that so so right to this point right I was talking I, I was talking to to Tom the other day my buddy Tom the other day huge Georgia Bulldogs fan they think some of and we'll get into it later in the draft but they think some of Jalen Carter's issues stem from the fact that they started when Jordan Davis left and Jordan Davis was kind of that big brother to Jalen Carter who kind of kept him in line a little. So well, that makes sense. That makes to, sense that you draft him. Right. So, so to the point, right. You draft him. If you can, if you can get this guy that was all, that was almost a consent, you're a consensus top three guy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if they're not quarterback hungry teams at the top of the draft, guys were taken. He's the best prospect in the draft. Right. Yeah. But now because of character issues, he's not anymore. See, right? that goes back to, that goes back to something I said on the podcast before. And I think, Everybody kind of took it as I was just hating on the Memphis Grizzlies. But Taylor Jenkins should not be the coach of that team. Because not only is Ja did John Morant do one thing and then another thing, and then he could just continue to do things. If you're my head coach, you are the law on that team. What you say goes. 
And if yeah. you can't control your superstar, you can't be the head coach. I don't care what your X's and O's look like. You're the leader of grown men. Grown men aren't, you know, they're not easy to deal with. They're not going to just bend to what you say. You have to break them. And Taylor Jenkins isn't doing that. He's not breaking John Moran. He's letting him do whatever he wants because he's feeding him, you know, every, he's feeding into the media hype. And I think as a GM, you have to consider that as like the main option. Like, look, my coach can't break these players or mold them into good character guys. He needs to go. I need somebody who can come in here and do that. That's why you look at these NFL coaches that like are psychotic, but they have the best relationships with their players because they treat them like, like children. And they I mold mean, we'll them. Go, I, I mean, I mean, we'll go off the top of the head. The guy that since he started coaching the NFL has not had a losing season in the NFL. Right. My and you coach. look at the absolute psychopaths that once they have left the Pittsburgh Steelers have yeah. gone crazy. I mean, AB Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he, he wins with guys like Devlin Duck Hodges. Like, he's obviously a guy that can that, – that keeps the crazy down and can build the – and can build maybe a, a not-so-great guy up with, with good coaching. So – but let's, yeah. but let's get I mean, into it, Eric. And, and yeah. I'll, let you, I'll let you be a homer for this. Who is your yeah. best NFL draft? So, my homer pick is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles, right? But that also includes Eric, a draft you have pick. another homer pick. Well, because I think pick anyway. is your home team. No, I was going to say Atlanta because they took Bijan and they're going to pair him with the, that offensive, all those offensive weapons. But no, it is Philly. Um, if you include draft Still day trades, Desmond Ritter throwing hand in the football and throwing it. True, true. But yeah, so the homer pick, Philadelphia, in my opinion, everything they did. Um, and now that I, and now that what you said about Jordan Davis uh, leaving Georgia, and that's when the issues with Jalen Carter started bringing him in to have his big brother again to prove us at that level just makes me even happier about the, the, you know, the way the draft went for us. Um, we addressed a lot of needs on defense uh, and we made a trade for a, a pass catching back who, if he can stay healthy, is going to be a game changer for us. So I really, I know it's the homer pick. I, I was going to try not to go with it, but the Philadelphia Eagles won this draft just in general and Howie Roseman is playing chess. There's a few other GMs playing chess, but the most of them are playing checkers. All right, Jermaine, your best NFL draft. The Pittsburgh Eagles are off the board already. Or the the, the sorry, sorry. The 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 Philadelphia Bulldogs are off the, uh, are off the board already. Uh, so I'm gonna spotlight a few of the players that I I mean a few of the teams that I think did a good job overall. Uh Detroit Lions, despite getting crushed for their their day one picks, I actually think they did a pretty good job. Um, uh, you know, podcast, I have Detroit as having one of the better drafts. I have the worst, some of the worst drafts, Detroit first round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that that's kind of why you have that uh, that situation there. Right. So uh, Seattle Seahawks did a good job. I'm actually going to sit here and and take a second to legitimately discuss, um, you know, a, a team that is often uh, crucified for their <laughs> their drafts. Right. Sometimes sometimes justified, sometimes not justified. But I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers is my big time winner this year. Um for for a handful of reasons, uh, they got they got an excellent defensive end up front. So he's going to play outside linebacker, right? Luke Van Ness. They took two tight ends, right in a in a very deep tight end class. Uh, 
Um, and so they took Luke Musgrave at Oregon State, and they took Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State, and and they're trying to gear up their tight end position for a successful Jordan Love, who we don't know if he has the magic that Aaron Rodgers did with the the lack of weapons that they usually give him. Uh, they took Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, I believe. I, w- I want to get this right, so let me let me make sure I get his school correctly. But he played for uh, like a Western or Eastern Michigan. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Um, before before he – what was that? Before transferring, you mean? Before transferring to Michigan State. Yeah, that's Western correct. Western Michigan. Western Michigan. So at Western Michigan, he was an absolute dog, putting up – 1500 and something yards uh multiple multiple touchdowns he was one of their biggest offensive threats and transferred to michigan state a school that is known to run the football and not have good quarterbacks right and and you saw his statistics drop from you know the the year over year right so just a few stats to, to gas this kid up. 56, 797, and eight touchdowns in his in his freshman year, right? He's also a kick return threat. Uh, and then his and then uh he had um let's see. Let's and then he led the Spartans with 33 receptions in 2020, uh starting all season. Yeah, he just I think he just got crushed by what exactly happened, you know, with the Michigan State quarterbacks? Michigan State quarterbacks never develop. I don't know if it's the coaching system or anything like that, but um, it, it there's just always a disconnect. There's always some big name guy who goes there and he ends up sucking all kinds of butt. Uh, and so I think what they did there was another solid draft pick, especially in a day two uh, type of situation. And then uh, they drafted another wide receiver in round five, right, out of Virginia, Dante Vion Wicks. And they had added linebacker death again with Colby Wooden, uh, Carl Brooks, for, for a defense that usually gets eaten up in the run game. It's good to add linebackers who can come downfield and stop it. And, um, and then one of the more interesting picks is this Lou Nichols the third out of uh, – running back out of uh in round seven right so he's obviously a round seven uh, pick but he's from central michigan uh mac freshman of the year but uh he was limited in 2022 due to rushing but he cat he caught 40 passes and 338 yards the year before in 2021 he led the fbs with 341 carries and 18,048 yards tying for 10th then he had 16 rushing touchdowns, right? That was him in a full healthy season. That man was given the rock at all. Like they literally said, hey, we're going to run the football 40 times a game. <laughs> and, they, the, and my man's delivered for them in a big way. So he most likely fell down the board because of that. And I think it's an interesting depth piece to add to the situation with Aaron Jones' contract situation. We don't really know if AJ Dillon is good or not. <laughs> I would love, I would love your guys' opinion on that. But in a team that is completely in flux and moving forward, that but that was still pretty good last year and was in the playoffs the year before. I think they addressed a ton of holes and 
they make themselves a very interesting team in a lackluster division. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, and thirteen draft picks, right? You're going to hit on some of them, right? With, with <laughs> you, you would, you would hope. If you're not a very good GM in the NFL. You're, you're probably going to hit on at least one or two of those guys. Um, they got wide receivers. Were they the best pass catchers in the draft? I would say probably not. But they addressed both sides of the of the ball, and and that's that's. Uh, a good thing you can do. I, I've already highlighted, or what we've we talked about it a little bit pre-show. The Steelers had a great draft. There, uh, I'll, I'll list I'll list some names off uh, or some teams off as we go. But highlighting some of the Steelers to get Broderick Jones uh, at fourteen out of Georgia. He was one of my best linemen in the draft. Um, you get Joey Porter with the first pick of the second round. He was a mid first round guy. Um, uh, Keanu Benton, the D lineman out of Wisconsin. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a great draft that, uh, that, that the Steelers had. Um, I, I really like what the, uh, what the Raiders did in the draft, right? So you get Tyree Wilson with the, with the six pick and an edge rusher that we were talking about going, uh, top five potentially, Right, you got him at seven. There's not a lot of we we talked about this pre-show. There's no steals in the first round, right? Because every one of these guys is a first-round talent. We don't know how they're going to pan out, but it's it's nice to it's, it's nice to grab a guy like like Tyree Wilson a little bit below the picks that he was projected. Michael Mayer to get Michael or Michael Meyer, uh, Mayer. Jeez, I can't talk. Michael My, Michael Mayer in the uh, in the second round. That's good. Byron Young, a D lineman out of Alabama, third-round steal. Uh, and then my final pick is for for best drafts. I'm gonna go with Carolina if they didn't give up DJ Moore. Carolina, I think, had a fantastic draft. I think the value that they gave up though for that draft pick just they're they're right on the outside looking in. I'd give them like B plus. I I felt like Carolina reached a lot on day two, and they they took some guys that they could put, could have potentially got on day three. So that's one I I actually am very low overall on their draft. I mean, it's pretty hard to be, you know, to give a fair grade to a team that only has five picks. I love that they added Jonathan Mingo, an old miss wide receiver with Bryce Young. I'm not a fan of their other three picks. Uh, DJ Johnson, there were better edges on the board at pick 80 in round three. And they went for a toolsy guy, a tradey guy, vice a guy who's had production or or can be an impact player. That DJ Johnson isn't going to help them now. Uh, they're going to have to develop that product. So uh, I don't feel like trading for Bryce Love and then developing a prospect when you have the defense in position, when you have the offensive line in position, really helps in that situation. So I do agree with your analysis on the on the <laughs> on the DJ Moore situation of that. I I do I usually bring up like maybe someone else wanted the first, right? And someone else had a better offer and that is why you know, Carolina decided to add him in. And what's unfortunate is we were going to see him with a good quarterback for the first time, right? There are question marks about Justin Fields on if he is or if he isn't a good quarterback. I think he's an explosive playmaker, but who, who do you think is a better passer, Justin Fields or Bryce 
uh, I almost said love again, Bryce Young. Who's a who's a better passer than? I think Bryce Young is a better passer than Justin Fields. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a, okay. Uh, me too. I was just wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only crazy crazy town USA who who went that way. Um. So honorable mentions for for best draft classes: Cleveland Browns and San Francisco 49ers, Right? D- didn't have a lot of high day one, day two picks. In fact, I believe Cleveland's first pick overall uh, was yeah, round three pick seventy four. But they crushed it with the wide receiver Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. Came back in round four, were able to snag Dewan Jones of Ohio State, who I don't understand why he fell as far as he went um they closed their draft out drafting center luke whipler out of ohio state to pair with dewan jones so those are two more pieces for your offensive line the isaiah mcguire edge rush pick out of missouri so i i really think they added good value for all their pieces and they added an interior lineman in round three out of baylor um I, I really think they did a very, very good job. Do you guys have any other honorable mentions? Uh, I would say I would say Tennessee is probably up there too, but let's let's get into worst. Let's get into worst. Well, Eric, you got any other honorable mentions? I do not. Okay. Uh, I, we already alluded to it, Jermaine. I, I think you said Carolina is one of your worst drafts. I, I said Detroit's first round. Uh, not really guys that I can get behind in terms of why do you – select Jameer Gibbs, a guy that I never saw mentioned in the first round. Why do you select him with a top 15 pick? Uh, <laughs> and then with the 18th pick, Jack Campbell. I mean, he's a he's a uh, Dan Campbell guy for sure, but I, I don't know that he's a number 18 guy uh, overall. I, I do. I did like the, the Lions adding uh, Brian Branch and, and Hayden Hooker in rounds two and three, but their first round, their day one picks are, are awful. <laughs> so you go with the Detroit Lions is one of the worst, or that was an yeah. honorable mention? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah Detroit Lions, uh, uh, honorable, or uh, yeah, one of my worst. I'll, I'll also add. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll, that's that's my worst. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll sit and listen. First time caller, long time listener. Thanks. <laughs> All right, who do you, who do you guys your number one loser? Uh, so for me, it was the Minnesota Vikings. Um, uh, Addison, uh, first round pick. Undersized. Um, there was questions about if he's going to be able to handle the physicality of the NFL. Uh, the running back they drafted uh, had more fumbles than he did catches in his collegiate career. And the two cornerbacks that they had were beneficiaries, beneficiaries of having stud corners opposite of them. And they didn't produce as high to the level as their expectations were coming into college. So, um, yeah, I didn't like it. I, I, it's really hard. It was really hard to sit. I was going through the draft teams here and, I couldn't really penalize San Francisco for not having a pick until the third round. You can't penalize Denver for not having a pick until the what second or third round. Uh, I didn't like Detroit's. I didn't like Detroit's picks, but they still they still got some value later in the draft. Um, and uh, the last team I had written down was the New York Jets, but as I went back and analyzed it, um, oh, Will McDonald. I still got I still got to be able to pick here, sir. <laughs> yeah. All right. I didn't. I didn't know I was stealing your pick. Hopefully, I didn't steal it. But yeah. No, no. I. I was just like, yo. You just started naming more teams. I was like, yo. Like, let, let, let me get one in. We'll get back to your honorable mentions. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, uh, my biggest loser 
is the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. So, look, the Dallas Cowboys couldn't stop a, the run to save their life. So they went out and got defensive interior Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. Okay, that's perfectly fine. You're not going to build just gas up a, a you know, you're not going to gas up a fan base with that side of sort of pick, but you're going to win a ton of football games. So mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily knocking that one. Um, I'm not a fan of the tight end that Dallas actually settled on in a very, very deep linebacker class. I mean, in a tight end class. So um, I think they, on top of that, I think they even reached for him right when there was better tight end talent on the board uh so that kind of just rubbed me the wrong way uh i'm look don't get me wrong i love demarvion overshone but he needs work and you needed a linebacker that you could slot in to allow micah parsons to play the edge if demarion overshone doesn't take that leap in the in the training camp you're going to be in the same situation where you can't allow your 26 and a half sack leader in the last two years to actually go and get the quarterback. So if that doesn't hit, it it puts them back where they are. I know they doubled down with another edge on on top of that after DeMarvion. Uh, They took uh, ASM Richards out of North Carolina offensive tackle. Again, there, there was better tackles available in the fourth in the you know third that could have really helped this team and they waited till round five to grab this guy not a big fan on of his overall uh i love Hmm. investing in it but yeah dude he's not a good run blocker and dallas cowboys are good dak prescott is good when you can run the football Right, yeah. when Dak Prescott can play Kirk Cousins football because they're the same quarterback, when they can play play action, they can do move him out of the, move him out of the pocket. That's how Dak Prescott succeeds. And you drafted a, a not very good run blocker. Now, can you coach that up? Absolutely, sure. That's perfectly fine. Um, but again, that's not something that. I think helps them move the needle this year. And for a team that had so many holes, uh, they didn't uh, like Amari Cooper being gone was a big deal for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't draft a wide receiver until round seven. I mean, they did bring in Brandon cooks in free agency. Okay. Third, I'm not third, saying third, yeah, 30 year old Brandon Cooks though, like that yeah. that's the answer. Like I mean, I'm so not I'm, like, I'm saying you know, if you look at the board, you have Brandon Cooks who still produced has produced with mediocre quarterbacks as a placeholder. Maybe there's a receiver you like in the next draft a little better. I'm just trying to use logic here as to why they did it. I actually didn't like their draft, but I didn't want to pick them as an Eagles as the Eagles fan on the podcast, but Mozzie Mozzie Smith undersized uh, they passed on the they passed on the tight end that they've been talking about for two years. <laughs> they've been talking no, about this. You said Dal- Dalton Kincaid was drafted before them. Buffalo Bills. No, Meyer was the one they wanted. Mayer, I, I, whatever his name pronounced. Mayer was the guy. Love another name tight end. They oh, did. I they, thought you told me it was Dalton Kincaid. They were. No, no, no. He. We all thought Kincaid was the best. The Cowboys love Mayer, and they he was there, and they didn't take him. And and we what what have we seen Cowboys football beat? Run the ball, 
solid tight end. They, they, I don't know, whatever. But that's just me being biased because I hate the Cowboys and think their organization should burn to the ground. But anyway. Yeah, so, you know, Eric jumped in to, to pile on to how bad I thought this draft was. But Tony Pollard hurt at the end of the season, correct? Can you tell me what Tony Pollard had uh, injury-wise? Uh, was ACL. it ACL? It was ACL? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just I'm making sure we're relaxed. Re- I'm relax. not even aggressive. Uh, and then they cut Zeke. And yep. you didn't draft a running back until round six? I... I really don't understand what they're doing. I, I really didn't. So in, in a draft, and one of the reasons why their draft gets hammered even more is, bro, your, your direct rival crushed this draft and also picked up DeAndre Swift, right? So he counts because they traded draft capital for him as part of the draft. And yo, DeAndre Swift dog is is crazy. It, like like and then so they add DeAndre Swift and you cut Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy because DeAndre Swift is the closest thing to an NFL or to an Eagles style running back. The only one I would say is closer is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is the only person that would fit in that offense better. Uh you don't throw to pa- you don't you don't throw passes to running backs. I don't think Austin Eckler fits in that offense. Then you couldn't complete three or five passes in the league. What? You just said you don't throw passes to running backs. I just said the Philadelphia Eagles oh. offense does not throw passes to running backs. I was like, are you changing your <laughs> the philosophy that's getting? No, I can complete five passes. Okay. All right. Can I complete five passes for positive yardage overall? That is not something I said. Sir. Hey, that's hey, that's on him, man. That's, <laughs> that's the, hey, I put a playmaker in a position to make a play. That is a different conversation. Nobody ever asked me if I could get positive yards. <laughs> Nobody asked me if I was going to get 170 yards. Those were never things that came out of my fat face <laughs> so like that's not it so yo, know, he broke his fibula that sounds way way more painful than, than ACL. yeah so overall not a big fan of the cowboys draft now here's what i will say i do think the cowboys got players who can make plays who can help this football team but i don't think it helps them this year i don't think all of them help them this year and that is the concerning part because the roster is aging and you're getting closer and closer to Micah Parsons being like deuces. I don't want to sign here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of guys that the Cowboys drafted. If you were to go on an Excel spreadsheet and say match position needs with positions, did the Cowboys do it? Yes. <laughs> match. They needed line, you know, they they lead they needed this position. They matched a guy in that position. Was he the right guy to take? I don't necessarily think so. But they got a guy there. And 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 what do we know? You know, five years from now, we might be like, this is one of the greatest Dallas Cowboys, this is one of the greatest drafts of all time. Yeah. So let's 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 see. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing, right? So NFL drafts are graded on potential and players that you scouted against other players in their class, right? But to be successful, it tremendously matters where you get drafted to. So if you get drafted to a bad situation, C1 DeAndre Swift, you could end up 
not living up to expectations. Coming out of Georgia, DeAndre Swift was a fucking dog. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a dog in college too because he came, he went to Georgia. <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, like you, you look at it, like it's it's a good point, right? You're graded against the guys in your class after playing against guys. Sometimes, you know, m- most guys are plus or minus two years, three years away, or you know, two years away from you, right? When you get to the league, it's how you play against guys that are, you know. There's a huge canyon of guys that are, you know, sometimes 10 plus years in the league ahead of you. And how do you play against those guys? Right. Yeah. I, I, bro. And then here's the thing they drafted that Kansas State running back. Look, I just talked about how good Lou Nichols was, right? The, 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 uh, Central Michigan running back that Green Bay picked up in round seven. Right, he was hurt in 2022. So Deuce Vaughn is five five. <laughs> you you cut Zeke, Tony Pollard broke a fibula, and you drafted a five five one seventy nine running back. And you drafted Darren Sproles. That's a special teamer, bro. Like he had forty three receptions. He had in 2022. His highest as in his career was 49. He never eclipsed the 500 receiving yard mark. What are you doing drafting a 5-5 guy? <laughs> All right, so, yeah, Dallas Cowboys. I picked them for a shit draft. <laughs> That's who I picked. Long story short. Uh, Eric, you got any – who'd you pick? Did you pick somebody? The Vikings. Okay. Did you explain why you picked the Vikings? Yeah. 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 When you quickly um, dropped out. I will I will give one more. And that's okay. just I, I don't think Denver had a bad draft. I think Denver got a all time bad return when you look at the Russell Wilson trade. Oh yeah. So you're factoring that in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. An all-time bad return. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go go look it up for the picks that they got. I will say this. The Denver Broncos um, have a white cornerback, so they instantly won for me. Oh, true. Good point. Yeah, good good counterpoint. I, card. I agree with what you were saying as a whole, but – you have a you have Riley Moss across Patrick Sertain the second, and and I'm instantly saying that you have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I, I think Riley Moss is actually a pretty good corner. Uh, he might have a few concentration issues, um, but he he played 2,500 defensive snaps at Iowa. You know what I mean? He did a lot of zone coverage. So if you press up with Patrick Sertain, you can play zone on the opposite end. And he has great eyes for him to read the quarterback and make plays to take them out. He's a little stiff, but he has the ability to turn and run with wide receivers. Right? The white guy? Yeah. So, no. his, dude, I, I looked up his I, – I saw his 40 time. Let me see if I can't find Riley Moss's 40 time. Let me look that up, because he, he I think he runs like a four four five or something. Damn, like is he like, is he like full white dude? It's the most searched thing on. Google. Hey, your boy four four five. 
Your boy Skinny P with the memory on lock. 445, bro. He's 6'1, 193, and he runs a 445, bro. Jason Seahorn would be proud, bro. Jason Seahorn would be proud. <laughs> All right, I got nothing else as far as the draft goes. I love the Saints draft class. I don't think they were a winner. I don't think they were a loser. I think they were somewhere in the middle, maybe B, B minus. Uh, I think they got a lot of value. Kendry Miller out of TCU is a fantastic addition to the Saints roster. So it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, we're going to need to catch coach him up on catching. Uh, to see if he's a more dynamic playmaker, but I'm hoping that TCU didn't use him as well in the past game, and that's why he wasn't that good. But uh, I digress. I just had to get a little Saints love in there. Nick, before we sign off, what are your thoughts about the number one overall pick? So I, I, I think I've I think I've said this a lot, and I, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but I know I've said it to anybody that asked me what my thoughts are on the on the on the pick you know you you look at guys like Kyrie Murray you look at guys like Russell Wilson you look at guys like Drew Brees right the reason those short guys are successful is because they find what works in their game as a short guy and the guys that aren't successful are the guys short guys that try to do what tall quarterbacks can do you don't see Bryce Young have a lot of balls batted down right he's a three he's three-year starter at Alabama at least two, at least two years started at Alabama. Right? Eric shaking his head, yes. So I will say yes. Okay, so three years started. He's faced some of the best defenses in the nation, right? He's faced he faced the Georgia Bulldogs the last two years. That that the guy knows how to throw, right? He knows how to throw in windows. He knows how to use use his height. Uh, I'm saying like uh, work around his height, maybe. Um, I, you know. I, I, I kind of go back to my last rookie quarterback experience when I said uh, when 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 I said um, that I wasn't going to support Cam Newton. I'm I'm very wary to support Bryce Young. Um, I don't want to hear it from you. You have a Jimmy Clausen jersey. I do have a Jimmy Clausen jersey. Yeah, so you don't get to say that. No, you're a Bry- you're a Bryce Young fan. Not yet. Oh, you had a Jimmy Clausen jersey. He wasn't on the team long enough for you to have I said, in. In, the, in the 2011 draft, I said, all we need is to get A.J. Green and Jimmy Clausen will be a good quarterback. That's the statement that came out of my mouth. And I'm still going to continue to say I don't support Bryce Young yet. Not that I wanted anybody else. I just didn't want Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. So that's, <laughs> that's ultimately what my analysis of the first pick is. I honestly think Anthony Richardson would have been a great pick, dude. Maybe. With Maybe. Frank Reich and the tools that he has, I mean, I mean, Jalen Hart's eat your heart out, but I think we got a guy who's already leapt you, bro. He might be a more dynamic athlete than Lamar Jackson. Might. I'm not going out on a limb there. But uh, I think that's all we have for this episode, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like you guys shaking your head instead verbal. of saying something. Verbal. It's ridiculous. Bro, I'm just going to say to you, verbal. <laughs> I was like, the fuck is happening right now? All right. We got nothing else for you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining in for our Kentucky Derby. We apologize that Room 303 hasn't gained sponsorship rights on the Turtle Derby. We look to have that issue uh you know, remediated and mitigated by the 2024 race. That way we can bring you those stealth fast turtles. 
Uh, NFL draft coverage. We gave you one winner and one loser from each of us. We touched bases on a few of the, a few of the other uh, teams that had some impressive picks out there. We'd be much maligned if we didn't shout out the worst division of football last year, despite how people want to talk about it. The AFC South, they were so bad that three of the four teams all took quarterbacks in the top 35, 36 picks. So if you thought the NFC South was worse than the AFC South, fucking watch football, you fucking idiots. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Podcast Room 303. I've been your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez. This has been my co-host, Nicholas Morhan. And as always, we have with us the EP. We'll see you next time when you come on down and step into the room. 